Welcome back to another Podmas episode of God Built This Podcast. I'm your host, Maxine. We're on Podmas episode 9, 2021. Let's talk about Claudette Colvin. Claudette Colvin. And for those who may not be familiar with that name, she was essentially the first Rosa Parks. And I feel like that's even insulting to say because Colvin was the first, right? (laughs) So like what? But because we know Rosa Parks more, this is the great way that we could best describe Claudette Colvin. So Claudette Colvin was the first Rosa Parks because she was the first one to have not given up her seat on the bus to a white person during the time of segregation, during the time of Jim Crow. Jim Crow Joe. Jim Crow Joe. And she was 15 at the time. And at this time, when she was not giving up her seat, she was being defiant, quote unquote. She was shouting and she said these words, it's my constitutional right. Meaning it's my constitutional right to sit wherever I please. You don't have the right to tell me I can't sit here because of my skin color. Like this is not um, what I'm standing up for. This is not what I'm standing down towards. And so she was the first one to really speak up and fight against that just Jim Crow ass rule of not sitting at the front of the bus because you're a black person and instead giving that seat up to a white person. Now, you may ask, why didn't Claudette Colvin receive the same amount of fame and accolades and exposure as Rosa Parks did? Well, let's look at the differences. Unfortunately, we live in a world where pretty privilege is a big ass deal. And if you're pretty, you have privilege. And if you fit the mold of beauty, you could go far. No matter if you don't have talent, no matter if you don't have a personality, you could go far. Now, just a quick side note. I'm watching, as we all know, I'm watching Ready to Love. And one of the cast members, one of the ladies on the show, her name is Sydney. Pretty girl. Pretty girl. Dense as fuck. I don't know what else is in her head. I don't know what she has going on. I don't know. Like, is she vapid? Is she just air? Like, what is there? She's a real airhead. Yet, she's pretty. She fits this mold of pretty. She fits this Instagram baddie, um, just like this social media baddie, influencer baddie look. And so she was making, she was able to make it far on this show, even though the show is about being ready to love. She doesn't express any type of growth or just exposure into who she is to demonstrate that she is ready to love. She just like says these words that really don't mean anything, but because she's pretty, she made it on. So anyway, I say all that to say, when we go back to call it Coven, this like stems way beyond our years here on earth. Pretty privilege has always been the, the way to get into the door, the way to get the job. And so Claudette Coven did not get the same exposure because she was not pretty enough. She was 15 at the time, and she actually was not the best candidate to get the civil rights movement to push this agenda of of getting equal rights, equality, etc. And so a number of reasons why she did not get 
the same exposure as Rosa Parks did, which actually happened nine months later. Now, I don't think we talk about enough the orchestration of it all. Everything was planned. Now, I'm not saying this to say the the purpose behind these plans of sitting and standing for your rights, but understand that not everything, I'm sure there are some moments in history when it was very coincidental or just happenstance, but Rosa Parks was planned. Rosa Parks was planned. Now, Claudette Colvin, I don't believe she was planned, which makes sense because she did not fit the mold of this plan to push forward the agenda towards civil rights. So Claudette Colvin did not receive exposure or attention as Rosa Parks did for a number of reasons. She did not have good hair. Now I was just talking about in our last episode, last podcast episode about good hair and how 4C hair is not seen as such. So you have an example of a young lady who did not demonstrate that aesthetic so she did not have good hair. She was not fair skinned. So she was a darker skinned young lady and she did not fit the, the mold of pretty girls. So that was a strike against her. She was a teenager, 15, and the big, the big whammy. Okay, here's the reason why. Here's the biggest reason why she did not get as much exposure and attention as Rosa Parks did. She got pregnant. She got pregnant at the tender age of 15, and so you you can't really have this person be used by the civil rights movement to push forward their agenda because she was not good enough. You know, she did not fit their aesthetic enough, and it wouldn't really help their case, unfortunately. And it's I don't even care about the other part. Like, it's the pregnant teenage part that would make it a bad look remember when Sarah Sarah Palin was running for office I forgot which position she was running for but she was running for office and she eventually became the VP for McCain or something like that but she was in the office and she was definitely getting a lot of exposure in political channels um during her time of exposure during her time of being known and being popularized, she was exposed for not being a great mother because one of her teenage daughters was pregnant. And although her teenage daughter was in a relationship, she was still pregnant and she's a teenager. And so it's pew, 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 you know, pew, patooey. It's not seen as, of course, this moralizing thing. It's actually seen as just bad parenting. It's a reflection of the parent. And so how can you vote for a woman, Sarah Palin, who has a teenage daughter who's pregnant? It doesn't look good. So instead, you know, that, that was the focus. That was the focus of of her rather than what she actually represents, what policies she's trying to push forward, what fight is she fighting? Cause people are looking at her like, well, you can't control your home. How you gonna control America? You got your teenage daughter out here pregnant. How you control, how you gonna control the office? It doesn't make sense. So same thing with Claudette Colvin, because she got pregnant in her teenage age, 
sorry, teenage age, <laughs> um, it was not a good look. So the leaders in the civil rights movement tried to keep up appearances and make the most appealing protesters the most seen. So she did not fit the bill. Although she was fighting the good fight, although she stood up for civil rights, she was not prim and proper. She did not sit at the uh, on the seat in the bus prim and proper and said no in a, in a quiet voice, no, I'm not giving up my seat. Instead, she yelled. She's like, no, I'm going to be defiant. She actually hit one of the officers as he was trying to pull her off. She fought back, and that looked bad on her as well, which sucks because, damn, I'm fighting because this is – against my constitutional right. But you have to understand, during this time, it was legal to be segregated. It was the norm. You purposely had different doors to enter if you were black and if you were white. So she was not following the law at the time. And unfortunately, this was the law to follow. And if you don't follow, although the law is you know, obviously needed to be changed, it was still the law at the time. So because of that, she was charged, and specifically she was charged for, let me just read up real quick. Specifically she was charged for uh, two, two counts of violating Montgomery's segregation ordinance and one felony count of assaulting a police officer. You know, so we didn't hear... <laughs> Rosa Parks doing all of that, right? We didn't hear Rosa Parks assaulting anyone. We just heard Rosa Parks was just this older, elderly, which she wasn't. She was 42, actually. Rosa Parks was 42 when it happened nine months after Claudette Colvin. And when Rosa Parks was seated in her seat at the front of the bus, she did not put up a fight as far as physically when it comes to getting up and uh, giving the seat up for a white person. And Rosa Parks looked the part. She was fairer skin. Her hair was uh, well-maintained and pulled back. Um, She helped fit the, the aesthetic that the civil rights movement needed in order to push forward their agenda. And although, you know, yes, I'm grateful for that to have happened. I'm grateful that because of the exposure and the fame that Rosa Parks received, it pushed more civil rights, um, justice, and movement to, to move forward. But it's unfortunate, though, that this already happened nine months prior, and Claudette Colvin did not get any, any accolade, any exposure, any fame, any head nod for what she did. You know, people don't even know her name. People don't even know her name. And, um, yeah, so that's what sucks because pretty privilege did not fit the bill for her. 66 years later, her record, so to now, because she is still living, 66 years later, her record finally got expunged, and she no longer has this count, well, these two counts of um, violating Montgomery's segregation ordinance and one felony count of assaulting a police officer. She no longer has that because they finally decided 66 years later to expunge that. I mean, what? I mean, too little, too late. How old is she now? Claudia Colvin is in her 80s. 
Yeah, she's 82. 82. And she was arrested when she was 15. It took her to get to age 82 to finally get this cleared up. I mean, at this point, does it matter? So I'm wondering, because she has a record, she wasn't able to vote all of this time. She wasn't able to speak up and let her voice be heard in the ballots because of this, right? If you have a record, you can't vote. If you're an ex-felon, you can't vote. So that's crazy. And now you mean to tell me at the 82, she finally got this off her record. She could finally vote. <laughs> oh, but yeah, I mean, even to this day, I mean, look, I'm not for pretty privilege, but even to this day, Claudia Colvin looks kind of crazy. <laughs> Maybe it's the elderly age now, but, like, her eyes look kind of, like, it looks double-sided. And what I mean by that is I don't know if you're looking left and I don't know if you're looking right. I have a colleague who is double-sided. I don't know. Is that even the right term to say? But you know what I'm saying, right? Like, you have one eye looking to the left and you have one eye looking to the right at the same time. Like, you're not looking at me with both eyes at the same time. You're looking at two different things at the same time. That's how Claudia Colvin looks like with her eyes. I think that's a condition. But, yeah, I have a colleague who looks just like that, man. And uh, I never know if he's talking to me. Like, I never know if you're making – like, I don't know which eye to follow. I feel like those who have those eyes, because it's, it's apparently – I mean, not common, common, but people have that. I feel like they should always come forward with a disclaimer. Like, hey, you know – pay attention to my right eye only, <laughs> right? Like, hey, pay attention to my left eye only. Like, don't worry about my right eye or don't worry about my left eye. It does what it wants. Just pay attention to my left eye. Like, it's just weird. It's just it's just a little interesting. So it always looks like they're kind of crazy. You know, okay, obviously this is an audio podcast, so I want to paint the picture for you all. Imagine Ruckus from Boondocks. That's the eye I'm talking about. Claudia Colvin had that eye. Okay? <laughs> Hold on one second. Boondocks. Yeah. Ruckus. Yeah, that eye. That one big eye. Um, now, just add on to it. The eye, both eyes are looking different ways. Like, <laughs> let me stop. She's 82. God bless her. Her record is finally expunged. She could, she could vote now. She could get a passport. Now. I mean, I'm, I don't know. I don't know the rules uh, per se, but yeah, that. Thank you. Thank you, Montgomery, for finally expunging that. I mean, it took a little while. It took a little while. Shit. Okay, let's get into Ben Affleck. Ben Affleck. <laughs> Now, if you haven't heard, Ben Affleck is now seeing Jennifer Lopez, and they are public with it. They're back together. We know them together from being Benifer back in the day when it was J-Lo from the block. That was when she was seeing Ben Affleck. And they were engaged at the time when they were first together, but they didn't end up going down the aisle. Okay, Years later, Ben Affleck moved on with Jennifer, another Jennifer, Jen, he loves a Jen. He, he moves on with Jennifer Garner. He has children with her and they're married for a few, like a good number of years. 
and of course they have children together. Jennifer Lopez, we know that she has been married, divorced, married, like, girl, okay. Whatever, no judgment, it's fine. So, we know Ben Affleck and Jennifer Lopez are back together. Ben Affleck has said this quote in a recent interview. Like, I don't know what it was. I don't know why he felt the need to say this out loud, but goddamn. Like, I, look, I am for people moving forward, right? Move forward. You know, if you realize the marriage that you're in is not the the marriage that you want to be in, you are allowed to leave. Like, you are allowed to move forward. If you realize the relationship that you're in is not the one that you want to be in, you're allowed to move forward. And if you find happy elsewhere within three months, within like, I think that, like, it's okay. It's fine. You know, people be like, I was with him for 10 years, and he never proposed to me. But when we broke up three months later, he got engaged and married to someone else that he just only met for three months. And it's like, Oh yeah, maybe he met her for three. Maybe you think he met her for three months, but he probably was with her five years in your ten-year relationship with him. But I digress. The point is, let people move on, right? Let people move on. Now, Ben Affleck though is moving on a little crazy. <laughs> he said these words: "I would have still been drinking if I stayed married to Jennifer Gardner." Now, context: Ben Affleck has a drinking problem. I don't know if he's a, actually he is an alcoholic. He's a recovering alcoholic. He's been to rehab a number of times and he has struggled with alcohol. Like that has been a thing of his. I don't know when it came up, but it's been a struggle for him for a while. And so he says this because he felt trapped in this marriage. Hey, I mean, if the mic don't drop, what will? He felt trapped in the marriage. He felt like, well, we have kids together, and I don't know how to deal with it, that I'm not happy with her, but I also don't want to, um, he says, he said verbatim, let me read it. I was like, I can't leave because of my kids, but I'm not happy, what do I do? And what I did was, I drank a bottle of scotch and fell asleep on the couch. <sighs> now... Look, I mean, I think some people do cause you to drink. Let's just be honest here. I think some people do cause you to drink. I think there are times when you are not your best self with said person. I don't want to put it on Garner. Like, I don't know what happened in their marriage. I don't know what was so troubling for him that he needed to drink himself to sleep with scotch every night. Like, you know, that's more of a personal problem, it looks like. But outside of the... Outside of it being a personal problem, I do think, though, there are people in your life who could cause you to drink. I think, <laughs> I think there are people in your life who could make you feel so bad. And yes, yeah, you're in control of your emotions. Are you? Are you? Because I know as soon as I enter a room and this person is here, I'm going to feel annoyed. Am I controlling my emotions or is your presence controlling my emotions right now? So now let's think about being in a marriage with said person. Now, again, I don't want to throw shots at Gardner. She seems like a sweet young lady. Young, I mean, I don't know how old she but she seems like a sweet lady. But don't let the dimples fool you. She could be a bitch. Now, again, I don't want to <laughs> excuse it. But overall, let's look at it holistically. I think overall, there are people who could bring out the bad in you, and there are people who could bring out the good in you. 
There are people who can make you feel so blossomed and good. And there are people who can make you feel like shit, make you feel like you're, you're questioning yourself, you're doubting yourself. And that is where I want to focus on. So you imagine being married to someone who does make you feel as such, who does make you feel like you're just a trash ass person and you're doubting your own self, you're, doubt, you're doubting your talents, your intelligence, and all of that. Um, now, the responsibility here, though, is for Ben to man up. Man up and say, look, divorce happens. Kids are resilient. Like, can we just stop putting it on the kids? The kids, they bounce back. Yeah, it's sucky for a little bit, but they'll they'll bounce back. As long as the parents demonstrate a great example of how to co-parent, of how to maintain a sense of family despite both of us no longer being married to each other, then the kids will be all right. I feel like blaming it on the kids is such a cheap shot and it's so weak. It is so weak and it's not manning up. It's not manning up to your decision. Man up and say, hey, Jen Garner, I don't want to do this marriage with you anymore. I'm not happy with you. I haven't been happy and I've been staying with you because of the kids and that's not, that's not happiness for me. You know, we have to pursue happiness. Because otherwise, we're going to drink a bottle of scotch and fall asleep on the couch like Ben Affleck did. So to make this as an excuse of, oh, because of my kids and I felt trapped, I don't think that's the right way to go. I feel like Ben could have been a better man in that situation. And it just, it's, it's a shitty thing to do. Don't put my drinking, don't put your alcoholism on your wife or ex-wife because you wasn't man enough to leave your trap marriage. Let's just be honest with the word trap. A lot of people don't realize the power in their words. Trap is in your head. That's what, that's really what it is. If you feel trapped in a job, in a marriage, in a relationship, it's because you think you're trapped. Are you bound in a room? Is the lock and key removed from your possession? No, okay, you're fine. Like, you, you could walk out and go. You're not a tree. You're not stemmed permanently in a place. And even if you were, you could cut off the branches. You could cut off the, you could cut off the roots. You could figure it out. So this whole, like, idea or concept of being trapped, it's mental. If you think you're trapped, you're trapped. So I feel bad. I really feel bad that he put this on Jen Garner, making it seem like, ooh, as soon as he left that marriage, he stopped drinking. (laughs) Nigga, shut up. You just wasn't man enough to fucking leave. Fucking leave. Okay, Ben Affleck, fucking leave. Now let's get into some politic talk. Politic talk. That should be like a soundbite. Uh, Kamala Harris decided to make an appearance finally. She got out the basement. <laughs> right? Remember we used to say Joe Biden was in the basement? Now it's Kamala Harris. Like, girl, are you trapped? <laughs> are you trapped? Is it is it a mental thing or is it a physical thing? Which one is it? So recently Kamala Harris appeared on the Charlemagne the God show. He has his own show on Comedy Central and it's called The God Honest Truth. Now, that's a nice title. 
Um, and on the show, he had Kamala Harris on via Zoom or whatever platform they use, but it was not in person. It was virtual. So Charlemagne the God began asking her some questions, and one particular question that ruffled her feathers was the question of, so who is the real president of this country? Is it Joe Manchin or Joe Biden, Madame Vice President? And Kamala Harris was pretty pissed about that. He actually asked that question twice. The first time of him asking that, they kind of paused. So by they, I mean Kamala Harris and Simone Sanders, who is still on her team, but she is eventually leaving, apparently. Her and a few other top staff aides are leaving the, you know, Kamala Harris's camp. So, but yeah, so Simone Harris, Simone Sanders was there and she was breaking that part of the question off. She was like, oh, we got to wrap up. Actually, we got to wrap up. We really have to wrap up. And then there was a point when she was saying, oh, we can't hear. We can't hear as soon as he asked that question. We can't hear. Like, first of all, why are you virtual? What's going on? Like, Madame Vice, you could, you could get on, you could, you could fly out. Like, you could figure it out. I feel like this whole virtual thing has made people lazy and say, you know what, I'm not going to fly out. I'm just going to go ahead and give you a Zoom link. Like the time when Kamala Harris was supposed to appear in person on The View, but because allegedly uh, Sonny Holston and someone else on The View was tested positive for COVID, they decided not to have Harris in person in the studio and had her virtually instead. Like, girl, what? And it turned out to be a lie. It turned out that Sunny Hostin and the other person on The View was not positive for COVID. It was a false positive. And it just ended up being just like this weird sham, a whole sham. And I, when I first reported that, <laughs> reported that, like I'm <laughs> exclusive news. No, but when I shared that on my podcast, I was so upset by it because, as you guys know, I have been watching The View. I have been actively disappointed with it and how things have turned or have has I have realized how liberal it has been and has always been. It took for me to finally wake up in a sense and question the agenda that's being pushed and I realized how much of a push the Democratic agenda was being pushed on The View. And when Meghan McCain left the show, I left. A part of me left because I I loved hearing her rhetoric. As annoying as she was at times, many times, don't get me wrong, she was entertaining nonetheless, but she offered another perspective and she challenged the status quo. And that's what I appreciated by her. Everyone else on the show was just sucking each other's clits, talking about, Biden this, Biden that, Kamala this, they're perfect and no wrong goes to them. And it's just like, but what? There's a lot of questions to be had. And when Meghan McCain would ask questions, instantly she was met with sighs. She was met with rolling eyes. She was met with a lot of aggression. When in all actuality, she was being set up. Like when you look at it from a different lens, when your eyes are now glossing to what's really happening you see what's going on you see what the attack is so when Megan McCain left I left fuck that fuck that shit and I've been following Megan McCain on Twitter and that bitch is funny <laughs> I like
Micah, like even more, even more. So yeah. Anyway, so Charlamagne the God asked this question to Kamala Harris, and she was irate. She's like, no, 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 no. It's Joe Biden. It's Joe Biden. You know when Kamala Harris gets mad and gets aggressive, like she'll have like she'll point, she'll have these pointy fingers, and she suddenly stops giggling because you know she'd be giggling a lot for no reason. And um, she's making that abundantly clear. No, 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 it's Joe Biden. Come on, Charlemagne, it's Joe Biden. I can't tell sometimes, he says. And Harris cut him off and says, no, 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 it's Joe Biden, it's Joe Biden. And I don't start, and don't start talking like a Republican about asking whether or not he's president. What? Like, why can't we ask questions without being labeled as anti-vaxxer, anti-masker, Republican, uh, conspiracy theorist. People are so lazy. That's what it is. It's laziness. It's lazy to just instantly dismiss what I am asking you. I'm asking you a valid question that deserves clarification, that deserves a solid answer. But instead, you're going to label me and say, I'm a Republican, I'm a conspiracy theorist, um, an anti-vaxxer. No, you just don't make sense. And I'm calling it out. I'm calling it out. So the reason why this question was asked, because apparently Biden's agenda since becoming president, when he was campaigning for presidency, his, uh, amongst his agenda was a lot of promises as politicians do. They make promises that they can't keep. And one of Biden's promises was to eradicate student loan debt and really call out the predatory nature of student loaners and not student loaners, the, the banks that loan to students and um, really making it seem like he is in he's going to go in the office and really help put a stop to student loan repayment and just taking away the slavery that it holds on many students, many students, many post-grads. Um, but since then, the agenda has been stalled. We know that student loan repayments will be coming back in, 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 um, back in your emails, back in your phone, calling you, talking about, hey, <laughs> I know you had a rough year. <laughs> I know we went through a scamdemic, and we still kind of in it, and there's a new Delta variant, Omicron, there's always, you know, X, Y, Omega, Sci-Fi variant going on, but uh, I'm going to need you to make a new payment. <laughs> it starts today. It starts today. So instead of really answering that question, she says what she says, don't start acting like a Republican about asking whether or not he's president. It's Joe Biden, and I'm vice president. My name is Kamala Harris. We get it. We get it, Joe. We did it, Joe. I think that's such a funny-ass quote, even though I'm not fucking with her. And him like that, I'm going to say that quote. That's hilarious. Every time I do something accomplishing, I'll be like, I did it, Joe. <laughs> Who is Joe? Are you talking to Joe Biden? So she says, okay, so I hear the frustration, but let's not deny the impact that we've had and agree also that there is a whole lot more work to be done and it's not easy to do, but we will not give up and I will not give up, she says. Bullshit. I'm tired of the excuse of things not being easy to be done. Um, it's a lot more work that needs to be done and we have done good work so far and we're just, we got to keep fighting the good fight. No, no, 
Where is the relief for student loaners? Where is the relief for reparations for African Americans? Where where is the relief? Because a lot of other people got relieved. LGBTQ plus IA community got relieved. Transgenders got relieved. They got these policies, rules, you know, bills set in place for their protection. But for the very bare minimum, everyone here on earth, in this world, in America, is, well, for the most part, I know some people are not um, in debt with student loans. They paid it off or they were blessed enough to have a full ride or was able to pay it off in full um, while they were in school. But a lot of other people are in debt, including myself. Including myself. And it's, it's very alarming. It's very alarming. And it also paints the just the notion of is it even fucking worth it, right? We live in an economy right now that is really about nepotism. It's really about who you know, how well you network, and you could get up. Shit, go ahead and work for the Sackler family. Be a sales rep. You don't need a bachelor's. You just need to know the right person, suck a few dicks, and be gone, okay? And make some good money while having a lot on your conscience because you made a lot of addicts in Minnesota, okay? Let's go ahead and end it here. Thank you all for listening, and I will check in with you all tomorrow again.